Mahomes back, throws, it is incomplete, yes. picked off, picked off by the Lions. Brian Branch with it left side. He's going, baby! He's going to the house! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Deflected yes. in the air, Branch ran under it, and he took it all the way back. Welcome to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. It is week 14 in the NFL season. I am Tim Twentyman. He is PJ Clark. We are here every week for key matchups. And this week I got PJ uh, coming back to the pod. Does always a great job with these matchups. So I have invited him back. We're back. And uh, well, let's first start off like the injuries this week. Um, it, it Obviously, Chicago's coming off the bye. They're looking pretty healthy. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna have all their all their dogs. So uh, um, with Detroit, Frank's the big one. Um, center Frank Ragnall injured last week knee. Now, I thought it was good he's not on, on um, IR. Yeah. So it doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term deal with him. But again, right after we talk about, you know, getting all five guys ready, I write about it in the week. We talk about it in this podcast. We're we're not allowed to talk about it anymore. It's two two quarters, and then it's back. back we're not we're not allowed to talk about the top five being back in the office. Next time it happens, we're just gonna let it go under the nope, radar. Nobody's just gonna it. go where no one's gonna mention it. And but look, injuries happen. You know, Frank's a tough guy. I expect him to be back. But look, this is where you love the fact that you went and got a guy like Graham Glasgow, right? I mean, yeah. how important it has. Where would this team be without Graham Glasgow this year? Yeah, I mean the the versatility you talked. To him about it last week, he's playing three spots against the line. He's more comfortable at center and, and right guard, but fought when when Jonah was out and had to move to left. And now it's it's interesting. You you're short up at, at center. You're about as good as you could be without a an all pro type guy with Frank at center. But that right guard spot is is definitely going to be interesting. You know, we saw it last week. Colby Sorzel came in in relief again, but you know. Does he get to start this week? Is it I thought Kaylee? he was better. It was the week Shika, before. You know, what is that right guard spot? There there are three guards now on the practice squad that could potentially get elevated. That right guard spot is, is definitely a question mark for the Lions. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they slot in there. Um, I will say the rookie Colby, Colby starts today. And look, with any rookie, you're going to have ups and downs. Yeah, it's just absolutely. how it is. Um, you know, had a bad one right kind of when he got in there um, early. But I thought settled down and it looked much better than it did against Green Bay yep. and early in the year. So it's good to see him trending up we'll see if he gets another opportunity like you mentioned one of those other guys gets going Bruce Irving was practicing Thursday I think that's uh, a big one he sat out with an ankle injury on Wednesday the fact that he was back looks good door Chicago we might talk about him in a little bit when we get to the matchup so uh, um so it looks good you know obviously a big game for both teams Chicago's trying to stay in it Detroit obviously everyone knows where Detroit is three game lead in the NFC North trying to stay with the big dogs in the NFC so not an easy one it looks like they might avoid the weather that was predicted earlier in yeah, the season finger, fingers crossed <laughs> yeah it looked like precipitation and everything going there now it looks like that's maybe going to hit Chicago on Saturday not Sunday so we'll kind of see it'll be cold and icy still going to be cold but, yeah. but uh, if you avoid the, the snow and rain that's obviously huge for, for the Lions I think advantage Lions in, in, in that regard so Peach, let's get right to the matchups. And, and I want to start with this one. I'm on Ross St. Brown versus um, Kyler Gordon. And Brad Biggs, we're going to have him on later. You know, he kind of mentions this matchup being big on their end, too. But I think it's important for Detroit, too, because you look at the game Amon Ra is coming off of. And it was, you look at the box score and you're like, wait, what? Uh, two catches, four Niners, had the touchdown, um, six targets. But we're used to eight plus catches like he had um, in each of the three games prior to, to Sunday. And look, the Saints decided, look, we're not going to let 14 beat us. We're going to double him, we're going to bracket him. And 
I think that's a big reason why Sam Laporte ended up catching nine, nine balls for 140 the, yards. The middle was open. And a touchdown. So you do that with your own risk. And so I would expect Saint to, to come into this one pretty motivated to be a bigger factor this week. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's going to want more than six targets. So five, uh, last time he had under six targets was week 17 against Chicago last year. Last time he had 49 yards was week 18 at Green Bay last year. So this entire season, he's been blowing those numbers out of the water. Yeah. Already had 1,000 yards and through, through 12 games. I mean, I definitely think it, it's frustrating for him. He's never really been just flat out taken out of a game like that. And that was the first time we saw that this year. Two catches. I mean, Saints did a really good job. There's a plan. There's tape for now. How do you manage 14? And Kyler Gordon is, is becoming, in his second year now, a second-round pick from last year, becoming one of the better slot guys in the league, yeah. especially, you know, they're coming off that bye. But the second half since Week 10, since, since Chicago came here in Week 11, Kyler Gordon, nine catches, on 15 targets, 97 yards, and a 53.1 rating in the slot. It's pretty good. Yeah. Week 11 against Detroit matched up a couple times for St. Brown. Or matched up a few times against St. Brown. Only two catches, 22 yards for St. in that matchup week 11 when Gordon was covering him in the slot. So he played well there. And then um, one touchdown all season, less than a 90. Pass rating against all really good numbers. But the one thing that you, you mentioned there – Teams might have, uh, you know, how do you have some tape on how do you stop St. Brown? Beware. Oh, yeah. Ben, beware ben if you decide to be wary if you decide to do that because we saw La, what Laporta did with the nine catches, 140 yards touchdown. But I go back to the Chargers game a few weeks ago, too, when on some key third downs and some critical moments, the Chargers defense decided to double team him, put a safety his slot. And then you saw Khalif Raymond make some really big plays in that game. Josh so, Reynolds made, made the third down conversion the to, Lions, to win the game. It, that, the Lions have some guys in that receiver room and tight end room that can make some plays. So, and defense beware if you want to bracket saying if you want to take him out of those situations you know they got guys like the porta guys like uh raymond like you mentioned um josh reynolds that that can make plays and i think that's in, in, important to show on tape as well not just how you can maybe limit laporta but if you do or how you can limit st brown excuse me but if you do some you other guys mitigate. can have uh, laporta now certainly but all <laughs> you know raymond reynolds and what can JMO do for you? The more attention that is not on a guy like that, it's you're coming. Ju- you're leaving JMO one on one and giving him the chance to just outrun somebody. It's coming. You take those odds every time. 100%. Let's go to what we teased Bruce Irvin um, versus Braxton Jones. You know, usually, I think last time we did this matchup, we talked about the Aiden, other side yeah. with Aiden. Um, but obviously, you know, the Lions need that kind of thing second guy on the edge to step up and they're going to be without Aline McNeil so I think that's even more important because you're not going to get the rush that you got up the middle or at least you don't expect to um, that Aline was providing so you know Bruce had 11 snaps um, last week uh, had the sack obviously had the the penalty late but that was a good rush you love what you saw from that rush obviously has to brace himself and 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 not put his full weight down on the quarterback they're going to call it every time but Dan Campbell said this week from the tape, from the production, he deserves more time. And I expect to see a little bit more of Bruce on the edge again in Chicago. It was about as good as you could ask for, right? right. Just just 100%. creating pressure, actually finishing a play, should have finished another one, like just was was wreaking havoc for in, in eleven snaps, which is for a guy, you know, who's still working his way in the game shape. First action since since January, didn't have a training camp, hasn't been in pads a lot. I mean, you, you got exactly what you expected from a veteran pass rusher, and, and the fact that he even came through and just got the sack to begin with is, is 
definitely a sign that he can do more. He'll work into shape more, and I, I expect more from him this week. And I thought, you know, Aaron Glenn talked about uh, him stepping up and talking to the defense this week about championship-level football. Yeah. That's one of the things I think you gain with a guy like Bruce. It's not just about the rushes and the sacks and everything else. It's, look, this guy's played good football for a long time. He's been on championship teams. He knows what it looks like and what it takes. And for him, you know, already to be able to step up in front of that defense, talk about that, his experience, and, and maybe, you know, um, lend lend uh, some experience to those young guys and, and to some of the guys that are, you know, really hunting for for success in this league. I think that's important. When you look at the other side, Braxton Jones looks he he dealt with an injury this year, but he's only allowed one sack in in six games. He's been pretty good. He's week been eleven great versus, since he came back. Yeah, week eleven versus Detroit, four pressures but no sacks. Um, I, he's been pretty good. That'll be a, a fun matchup, I think. Yeah, and this is an, another second year player. The Bears are a really young team, and and this is now a guy that. He didn't get to face the last time three weeks ago that right. that that he played the Lions. So what can Bruce Irvin, the twelve-year vet, do against the second-year guy who has missed some time this year, has missed some some key development early in the season? Braxton Jones has been very good since he came back from injury, but can Bruce Irvin use his experience in maybe maybe pushing you know? upper teens 20 snaps see see what he can do against a, a younger player i think that's definitely a, a matchup to watch all right let's stay on that side of the football alex anzalone versus justin fields and look alex missed the last game with the thumb injury we talked to him on wednesday he kind of showed us and we were like oh yeah what, what, oh yeah i just had a screw put in my my thumb no yeah big easy deal. stuff totally easy normal. stuff football players i mean these guys are just amazing <laughs> to me sometimes i just had a screw in there and i got this special splint they designed for me i just wear that it's and I'll all just good. go tackle somebody. It's fine. Yeah, it's no big deal. But yeah. we'll see if he's available um, Sunday. It looks like it's trending that way. He seemed pretty confident. He's been at practice this week. Um, you know, obviously we'll be limited probably a little bit. We'll want to protect that thumb. But um, big to have him back against. Gosh, this guy Justin Fields. It just seems to be a little bit of a nemesis for for this Lions team. And really, he's been a nemesis for the whole league because when you talk about some of the better athletes at the position, guys that are able to break tackles, get out and create plays, Justin's one. The best in the business. Another guy, I feel. I mean, I just said this about Braxton Jones. I think he's looked better than than when b- before he got hurt. Coming back from injury, I think he he's he's looked better and he's certainly developing. Still a, a young quarterback, but last three games versus the Lions, so two last year, one this year. Forty one carries, three hundred eighty three yards, two touchdowns. That is a nine point three four yards per carry. It's and, pretty good. <laughs> and when you get and, and look, I thought Jack Campbell, uh, Derek Barnes, um, Alex. Uh, well, Derek Barnes, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, and, and even Jalen Rees-Maben um, filled in for Alex pretty well Absolutely. last week. I thought they played. I think you feel better maybe limiting snaps for Alex. 100%. But when you talk about Alex and you talk about what he means, and to me what he means, not just he's your leading tackler by a wide margin and your team leader, your captain, does your green dot, makes your checks, but what he means in the passing game as your best cover linebacker, I think is huge. Zero touchdowns allowed in his yep. coverage area. He is averaging only, uh, opponents are averaging only 26 yards per game when they target him. I mean, it's just he limits what the other opponents, tight ends, running backs. I was going to say, this is in, a team that has a, uh, a highly paid tight end now, yeah. too, that has been a thorn in the Lions' sides. Yeah. You know, recently, Cole Komet has. So, you're, you, as much as it, it's important to contain fields in, in the run game, and, you know, Alex can only do so much. That's on that's on the end. you got to set contain. But if it comes down to 
you got the safety valve of Cole Komet. That that's going to be where Alex is is going to have to come up big this week. Yeah, Fields 104 rushing yards in that first game against Detroit, 16 to 23, 169 yards, had a touchdown. Um, I think the thing you like and just the eye test for me is when you have Jack and Alex on the field together. You've got so much more speed on on your defense, and you're I think playing sideline against, side against an opponent like this, against a quarterback like this. I think that gives you your best chance to win the football game. Yeah, and and Jack, I thought looked probably played his best game of the year 100%. last week, and and you're seeing the fluidity in the hips, sideline to sideline motion. He's got the long arms. He's got kind of a range of motion that you know. When you're thinking about how can we compete with the running quarterbacks of the league now, I, I think Jack Campbell is going to eventually develop into a good solution for that. But Fields, as good as he's been running 104 yards last time out, he's looking to throw the ball yeah. more, more than he ever has. And he's got DJ Moore, who we're going to talk about now to do that. So you got to keep an eye on maybe both sides of the coin more than you did in the past. All right, let's go to this one. Penny Sewell versus Montez Sweat. And I, I think you know we talked about this. I think the last time but what a great matchup between these two guys you look at the difference Montez has made for that oh, Bears yeah. defense and I think it's 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 palpable I mean you you, you see it I mean it is uh, every week with the pressures but the interesting part to me is you look at his pressures since being in Chicago three four a game five a game week 11 versus Detroit Zero. Zero. That's the Penny Sewell effect right there. And um, now he did have a sack, but I think that was on Jared, a naked boot. They yeah. didn't block him, and Jared probably should have thrown I would block him. that guy. Yeah. Probably should have thrown the ball away, but that was not on Penny Sewell. That was on uh, Jared Golf. But um, to, the only game that Swiss played to have zero pressures, and I don't remember him really being a factor outside of that sack. He, I think he played the run a couple times, you know, nice in that game, but in terms of um, his pass rush not being a factor, uh, that that's the penne effect. I mean, he's just so good. Yeah, and and you saw what what Sweat was able to do. One and a half sacks against Minnesota. He was way more impactful in that last Bears game than he was against the Lions. But this is a they they brought him in. They paid him a lot of money to be that kind of culture changing guy that to to elevate the rest of the defense. And like you said, since he's been there, he's done that. Yeah. He's come through on on what they're expecting him to do. He's only played one home game, did not have a sack in that home game. I think a divisional matchup coming off the bye, he's going to be fired up, ready to show, you know, he's there for the long term now. You got you to show him something yeah. at some point, and going up against maybe the best right tackle in the league is a, is a good week to do it. You know, it's funny, Penny gave up a sack last week in New Orleans, yeah. where he just kind of got beat, you yeah. know? I mean, it was just one of those plays, those guys get paid too, and, and, and I remember, like, looking around in the press box, and, like, it's so rare yeah. that you're like... Did everybody else see that? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was one of those most because he's he's been that good. Like, when he actually does give up a sack, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. that That's odd. You don't see that First very often. We made it to and of December. course, he smacks his helmet and he's walking off shaking his head because his expectations for himself are so high. Um, but again, a great matchup. It's one of those ones. I mean, we talked about it before with Max Crosby and all these other it's guys. Every, it's every week. that, And this is another one for him. And I think Sweat... And in two weeks, it's going to be Daniil Hunter. It's, it's going to continue yeah. just going down the list. And Sweat, I think, is going to be motivated. Yeah. After the offer against um, the Lions the first time around and, and how that defense played down the stretch line, two touchdowns the last four minutes to allow Detroit to come from behind. I, I, I'm guessing he's going to be highly motivated to, to, to get one, make more of an impact, like you said, he has been in, in, in other games. So that'll be a big matchup. Yeah, I, and I mean, this is this is... 
this is good on good, and this is now with a, a sweat long term deal. Going to be seeing this one for for years to come. All right, let's end with this one. You teased it a little bit more. Jerry Jacobs versus DJ Moore. I think the first time around we had Cam Sutton versus DJ yeah. Moore, but you know I, I want to pick Jerry here just because um, you know you look at some of the big plays that he's allowed in in recent games, and I think that's a little bit alarming when you look at DJ Moore and you look at this Chicago pass game. That's obviously where they want to go yeah. in terms of their big plays, and he's been the number one guy in that offense to do him just the last uh four games alone jerry's given up a, a pass plays of 33 22 39 29 yards i mean big chunk plays um and that's something you know obviously you know he and and, and aaron glenn are gonna have to figure out and clean up yeah uh, olava you saw it especially in the second half that kind of found the the big play gene and and Jerry might have had an interception on on the tip ball that was thrown right yeah. to him, you know. That, and that counts against him, and which that, should and that happens, and and that's just bad luck. But that's why you got to play the games, and and you're seeing, you know, DJ Moore had had the long touchdown against the Lions mm-hmm. and got missed on another long that should have been a touchdown, but seven for ninety six and a touchdown. You know, he he is the number one option, no doubt about it. He is what the Bears thought they were trading for when they when they moved back and and picking up the value. There instead of maybe a third uh, a set or a third first round pick let's get dj Moore instead and then help our young quarterback and i think he's done that for fields development they clearly have a good rapport right now and and the the big play threat is definitely going to be there yeah it, it, it's there and with jerry you know opponents have 103.4 passer rating when throwing against him they've had success against a lot of guys in the backfield. I don't want to just pick on Jerry here, um, but the big plays. I think that's the thing that even Jerry would probably admit. I you know, can't give up those. You're going to give up a bunch of catches for some yards, no touchdowns. Guys are going to dink and dunk on you. Look, that happens. Those guys are good in this league. It's the big chunk ones, the 39-yard touchdown that you mentioned in the first matchup. Those are the ones they got to clean up because those um, can, can break you. And I think what, what they do with DJ Moore is interesting. It's not going to be just Jerry Jacobs. No. It's going to be Cam. It's going to be Alex Anzalone. It's going to be Brian Branch. I mean, they move him around all over the field. Um, and look, Detroit's just got to know where he is. And look, if you're going to let him catch the underneath stuff, the crossers, you know, group to the football, um, tackle. You feel good about your and tackling. You, and you're yeah. all right there. Just don't let him get behind you because that's what they did the first game. That's how they built that lead. And that's, you know, what they want to do in their pass game. And that is that is especially for, for a young team with a younger quarterback. If they can get the shot plays and they don't have to assist it it's harder to sustain a drive where the Lions are good at that. You have a run game that you can just methodically plow down five, five underneath throw, have these 12, 13 play drives. If the Bears can can do it in four and, and hit a 60 yarder and, and put points on the, the board that way. They're going to want to do that. They're, they're not afraid, even in the cold. I, I feel like this is an experience a team that values the explosive and, and wants to play fast. So can the Lions go on the road for a second straight week, get a win in the NFC? Obviously, this would be a big one. You get to 10 wins with a win. Uh, that'd be the most in the Dan Campbell era. Um, and I think you'd be well on your way to to, to talking about um, an NFC North title and, and a home playoff game. And obviously, that's a goal. So that'll be a big one. You and I will be chatting after uh, the game in Chicago. Hopefully, we're chatting about a Chicago win. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the 20 in the Huddle podcast this week and we'll talk to you guys again uh, Sunday night. Want to do it?
Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast, and I am very happy to welcome Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune. Does a great job covering everything uh, Chicago Bears down there. And uh, Brad, thanks for joining me. And a little late bye for you guys. You guys you had the break last week. Do you like the late bye? Is it a good thing, bad thing? What was your opinion of, of a week 13 bye? Well, there's been a lot going on for the Bears this season, so no shortage of content. Uh, so I guess later in the season is okay. Um and you now look toward uh, toward the finish. They've got five games remaining. Uh, opportunity for them to uh, maybe put together some more consistent play here, and then look ahead to what will be a fascinating off season with the Bears obviously owning the first round pick of the Carolina Panthers, which right now would be number one overall, and then their own pick. Which uh, if it was if the draft order was based on the current standings, they'd be at five. So with the first and fifth picks in the draft, it'll offer uh, general manager Ryan Poles uh, a uh, whole slew of options come April. It only feels like uh, the draft's about nine or ten months away, though. Well, the draft is in Detroit, and something tells me, Brad, you are going to be a busy man come combine season, come uh, senior bowl and all that stuff with having two picks in the top five. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, ammunition there that can help Chicago get better real quick. But look, I was listening to some of the player interviews this week and and Eberfluss's, um, uh, uh interview, and he was saying, look, we have five games left, and look, we're four and eight. We win five games. We can get to nine and eight. It's not like there's a talk of the season being over there. Obviously, you mentioned a lot to play with just with the head coach's job and with the future of Justin Fields. But when I talk to some of these players, they sense that, look, they played pretty good football, beating Minnesota right before the bye. They got a chance to get healthy after the bye. And this thing certainly isn't over from from their perspective inside the locker room. I mean, legitimately, they can get to nine and eight and you never know what happens at that point, right? No, and it's a it's a team that has relatively good health right now. At this point in the season, will be rested coming out of the bye uh, for the game against the Lions on Sunday at Soldier Field. And yeah, they they've they've certainly got a ton to play for. You know, you talk about having a young roster, which the Bears do. You got guys that are fighting to put quality tape out there, so they'll be in the mix for this team or maybe even another team a year from now. Um, if they can run the table and get to nine and eight, uh, anything could happen with the expanded playoffs with seven teams. I, I personally feel that's a little bit of a stretch uh, for them. You know, they have not won consecutive games under Matt Eberflus. The victory against the Vikings in week 12, right before the bye, was the first NFC North win they've gotten under Eberflus. So consistent play has been something that they've really been unable uh, to achieve at this point. But, hey, they played really well against Detroit the first time. The Bears should have won that football game. You know, you, you you kick a field goal with 4.15 to play to go up 26 to 14. You should find a way uh, or multiple ways to close that game out. And the Bears didn't. And the Lions took advantage and made plays at the end and ultimately won. Uh, but that one is one that slipped away. The Bears had a similar uh, situation back in week four at home against the Broncos. Big fourth quarter lead, and they coughed that one up uh, as well. So I think we're getting ahead of ourselves if we talk about them closing it out with a, a six-game winning streak to get to nine and eight. Um, 
uh, it should be one step at a time. Can they get to two wins in a row Sunday uh, against the Lions? And 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 then you you turn your focus to a trip to Cleveland. Uh, then they've got uh, home games with uh, Arizona on Christmas Eve, and then Atlanta, and then they finish it out up in Green Bay on January 9th. All winnable games for the Bears, but their five opponents are going to look at it and say, hey, this one's really winnable uh, for us as well with, with the Bears 4-8 and eight right now and, and just struggling to do things uh, consistently. Now, they, they Tim, they have been better on defense. That's improved. Uh, I think they're tied for the first in the National Football League and run defense right now. Um, you'd, you'd probably, if you had your choice, rather be number one in pass defense. Uh, but um, they've gotten better. Their pass rush has been much better since they acquired Montez Sweat. And I think that's helped out a young secondary on the back end. I know it has. You get a sense from those guys. I mean, you talked about that week uh, uh, 11 game in Detroit where, you know, you had the lead. Detroit's able to kind of get that two minutes offense going. They scored two touchdowns the last four minutes, hold the Bears to a three and out. I agree with you. I think that was a, a game Detroit felt really fortunate to walk away with with a win. Is there some extra motivation there in Chicago? Do you get any sense talking from the guys that, that maybe they owe Detroit one for, for how that ended in, in Detroit a couple weeks ago? Maybe a little bit. I, I think it. I think more than like, hey, um, we owe one to the Lions here from the players' perspective. I think it's more of a, hey, we know when we play well, we can beat that football team, right? The Bears don't yeah. feel like there's as big of a gap between what a nine and three Detroit team right now and where they're at. I mean, it looks like a really big gap in the standings. And ultimately, I think we all agree with Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. But when the Bears go out and play well, you know, they can hang in these games. They should be in these games. They're, they shouldn't be uh, blown out of these games for sure. So um, looking at um, an opportunity to have a rematch in a short period of time, a three-week span, looking at the opportunity to have that game in their stadium, outdoors, and what could be um, less than ideal weather. I, I think they feel like uh, there's confidence that it's a good matchup for them. Now, it's it's not a good matchup for them if they don't play well, uh, but, if, but if they go out and play well, uh, this should be a, a, a real ball game going into the fourth quarter, I would imagine. You know, it's got to be encouraging for both the coaching staff and the players, too, that some of the issues they had late in the games in in Detroit uh, week 11, they kind of fixed in that Minnesota game. The following, they played really well down the stretch, were able to pull that game out by making plays late. Then you get the bye, you get get a chance to get healthy. Seems like they should be a pretty confident team at home. Let, let's go to Justin Fields a little bit. And obviously the big talk in Chicago has been the evaluation process of, of, of Justin these final few weeks. You mentioned the number one pick. There's a quarterback that everybody talks about from USC that could potentially be the number one pick. I'm just curious, just um, how much is that realistic, Brad? And how important are these last five games to Justin to kind of show you know the regime in Chicago that he's the guy moving forward? Well, it's real important. Five games is a good stretch too. You're talking about nearly one third uh, of a regular season, and uh, he's had some ups and downs uh, the last two seasons with this coaching staff. Uh, he, he played pretty darn well 
against Detroit until the fourth quarter, right? And um, he's had a propensity to uh, turn the ball over in the fourth quarter. There were uh, two fumbles in the fourth quarter of the Minnesota game, which was a win, which the Bears were able to pull out without scoring a touchdown. They won on four uh, Cairo Santos field goals at U.S. Bank Stadium. So uh, he's got a little bit of time left, but you know how timelines work with – franchises is they're looking at quarterbacks this, this is a regime that didn't draft justin they inherited him uh it's year three on his contract and i think everyone understands uh how the contract timeline works for young quarterbacks in the national football league it looks like it's going to be a strong class of quarterbacks i think really there's four guys that if they uh, if the guys with remaining eligibility all declare for the draft, and that's Caleb Williams, who's opted out of the Holiday Bowl with USC, which would point toward him entering the draft. There's Drake May at North Carolina. And then J.J. McCarthy in Ann Arbor for Michigan. If all three of those guys declare, and then you look at Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy um, front runner, probably from LSU, who's out of college eligibility, all those guys are going to be interesting. All those guys, I believe, will be in the discussion, at least early on, to be potential top 10 picks. So with a strong class of quarterbacks with questions about the consistency of fields, the final five games are paramount for him. Starting Sunday at home against a Detroit Lions defense that has struggled a bit against Justin in the past. Even week 11, he put up some big numbers um, early on. You mentioned the struggles he had late. But um, Brad, Brad, what are a couple, maybe one or two really key matchups you're looking at this one that, that are going to be really important on Chicago's side to get to get out of Soldier Field with a win? Well, I think uh, they're going to have to continue to uh, apply pressure and they did a pretty good job against Jared Goff uh, the first time. And, and uh, as I understand, Frank Ragnow, the center uh, could potentially not be available on Sunday. Yeah. Not looking um, good for Frank. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, that's, you, you never want to lose um, one of your better offensive linemen. So uh, they, I think they get three interceptions of Goff, a little uncharacteristic for him in that first meeting if they can continue to get some consistent pressure on him, maybe they can generate some takeaways. So I'd start with the Bears' uh, defensive front against uh, what Detroit's going to do to try to protect Goff. And, th- and then on the other side, um, you know, a couple matchups, but one that jumps out to me immediately is Darnell Wright, the Bears' rookie right tackle, who I thought played a pretty darn good game uh, in that initial meeting. Uh, with the one exception being Aiden Hutchinson, you know, just blows past him uh, for a strip sack that turns into a safety there uh, late in the ball game. Um, ended up being a kind of a big play. Yeah, and you, you, you know what? You can't play really well for 60-some-odd snaps and then ha- have one play go wrong and, and go that badly uh, for your team. So – um, Darnell Wright has, has played high level football at times this year, but he, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. And I think you, you saw it in that game, did a nice job against Hutchinson really throughout and until that one play. And when that one play, um, is a big one and leads to points and you losing the ball, 
well, that tends to stick in people's minds. So I thought Hutchinson would be a big matchup uh, for Wright the first time. I would say that here in the rematch. And, and one other kind of little one-on-one thing, uh, uh, you know, St. Brown is such an effective receiver that that's a tricky matchup for any defense he's going to go against. The Bears have been using Kyler Gordon in the slot this year as the nickel cornerback. He's had a pretty nice season. I thought he uh, did a decent job against St. Brown the first time. Obviously, uh, opponents are going to circle uh, him and, and try to slow him down. I don't know that you're going to shut him down, but slow him down. I didn't see the entire game Detroit played Sunday, but it looked like his production. I know he had a touchdown, I think, against the Saints, but it's just two catches, overall, which is the lowest yeah. of his season. Yeah. Yeah. The overall production was down a little bit. So I'm sure Detroit's saying, hey, um, got to get him going a little bit more, get him the ball a little bit more often. So um, Kyle Full, or excuse me, Kyler Gordon. Uh, could be the guy uh, squaring up against him on a lot of those snaps when St. Brown uh, lines up in the slot. So big matchup for Kyler as well. All right, last one for me, Brad. And again, I'm talking with Brad Biggs. Uh, does a great job with the Chicago Tribune down there covering the Bears. I want you to put your weather weatherman cap on a little bit. You alluded to it a little bit. Um, really the last time, really the only time Detroit you know, caught a cold weather game. We looked at this Chicago game in December as the, the possibility. What are you hearing the latest with, with weather and wind on Sunday and how that might affect things? Yeah, originally the forecast was uh, going to be dynamite this weekend, and and I think that there's a chance of it being in the 50s on Friday. And some buddies of mine were talking about golfing on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> I think they've, they've scuttled their golf plans for Saturday. There's a chance of rain. Sounds like a chance of precipitation with a high maybe in the mid 30s on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, nothing worse than like 40 or a little cooler than that in rain. I think I think you'd rather be dealing with 30 in snow personally. Yeah, um, 100%. Now, you know, the weatherman um this far out is a little dicey. You know, I had a buddy a long time ago worked in television and sports in Richmond, Virginia, and he would joke with the weatherman there, Tim, he'd said, "You know, if I did my job like you do your job, I'd give the wrong scores on half these ball games every night. <laughs> you know, you know. So instead of saying that uh, Cincinnati uh, pulled it out in overtime over Jacksonville Monday night, I'd say the Jaguars uh, got a late field goal to prevail. Was his joke with the weatherman? So hopefully, um, it, it's not uh, it's it's not raining or snowing. Uh, maybe it's just a little uh, chilly. Uh, but we'll see. Well, the, both teams will deal with whatever it is. Big game for both teams. I think as Chicago c- continues to evaluate their coaching staff, obviously their quarterback situation, and and really still try to keep their playoff hopes alive. And, and Detroit obviously trying to keep pace with San Francisco, Dallas, uh, Philadelphia, and the and the NFC, and 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 keep uh, keep their. Uh, uh, everyone else in the NFC North in the rearview mirror. So, so big one in Chicago, Brad. Thanks for taking the time. I always appreciate it. Great stuff, at always. If you guys ever want to know anything about Chicago Bears, go check out Brad Biggs on the Chicago Tribune. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you. You got it, Tim. Take care, buddy.
Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I know you guys will enjoy this one. I have rookie tight end Sam Laporta uh, in studio talking on the 20 in the Huddle podcast. Sam, thanks for joining me. I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, let's talk about last week a little bit. Um, just how fun was that? Nine targets, nine catches, 140 yards. Some of those really critical down the stretch. You got a touchdown. You've been consistently productive all year, but to have a game like that in a win, just how fun was that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The Superdome was a great environment. Uh, it came down to the wire. Um, you don't like games like that, <laughs> but uh, you know we, we learned a lot from the game. We were fortunate to come out to win, and yeah, it's always... It's cool to have good games and to know that you contributed to the outcome of the game. And when you look back at the tape and you see what the Saints tried to do to take out number 14, Mm -hmm. um, bracketed him a couple times, doubled him a a few times, that's going to leave opportunities for guys like yourself. We saw it a few weeks ago um, with the Chargers, with Khalif stepping up and making some big plays in one-on-one. Just how important is it for guys like yourself, Khalif, those other guys that when they try to take away 14, now it's on tape that, all right, good luck with some of our other guys one-on-one. Yeah, we feel like we have a lot of great playmakers that we can distribute the ball to. It starts with Jared in the offensive line. Um, you know, they protected him great last Sunday. And, you know, if you take away one of our guys, we can always get to another guy. You see Josh Reynolds come up big on third down at the end of the game. Um, you know, J-Mo with the big touchdown run. So we feel like we have a lot of guys we can distribute the ball to, and that, you know, that only helps our offense. How fun is that to play with, uh, you know, on an offense that has that many weapons? But how hard is it sometimes, too, to, to get – the ball to all those weapons and and just the group of guys it seems like it's a good group in terms of as long as we win it doesn't really matter what my individual stats are let's win and and ben seems pretty good about you know getting the ball around you know week after yeah, week there's a, a lot of guys are deserving of the ball but there's only one on the field that, <laughs> as a play caller that can almost uh you know it's it's tough you want to get everybody the ball um, yeah. everybody's deserving of the ball there's so many guys we can run the ball with you know jameer david we can dish it out to 10 different guys so there's one ball it's great to game plan with but you know everybody's got to chip in do their part and uh you can't force anything when the ball comes your way just make the plays that you can make i know you're a guy that that's pretty humble you, you kind of just put your head down you go to work but the numbers are the numbers and you look at historically kind of where you're at to start over 60 catches um, over 600 yards six touchdowns you look at the list of guys that have done that in 12 games and it's like odell beckham michael thomas like they're all receivers you're the mm-hmm. first tight end to ever do it what's been the recipe for your success early on <laughs> i don't know if there's a recipe certainly i get a lot of help from my teammates and coaches I knew that was going to be his yeah. answer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's really true. You're out there with 10 other guys. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, you could reference like basketball per se. A superstar can take over the game and score 50 points and you know, 10 assists. You can't really do that on a football field. Um, certainly, you can have a lot of great players surrounded, surround, uh, you're surrounded by. So, you know, I, I always credit those guys and they help me out a ton. So I can't really do it without those guys. What about the coaching too? In your room too, um, with with Hayden and, and just Dan was a tight end. Um, it seems like they coach you hard. And, and do you like a, a room, a staff that coaches you hard? Because they know um, what you can do. But it seems like every time we talk to those guys, it seems like you've been coached hard and you respond to that. Uh, <laughs> I always joke, there's several pairs of eyes on the staff that are always kind of honing in on the rookie tight end. <laughs> uh, you know, with Coach Campbell and Coach Steve and uh, Coach Johnson used to coach the tight ends. Right. Um, 
Tanner, our pass game coordinator, used to coach the tight ends. So That's right. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stress there. I get a lot of help, is how I like to look mm-hmm. at it. Um, help. I like it. <laughs> Surely, there's some tough love that yeah. has been distributed my way, but uh, it's good for me and good for my development. So I, I try not to take it personal, and it's a. Uh, you know, it's only going to help me. You appreciate that there as a player, though, don't you? For sure, for sure. It, it it tells you that they have a lot of confidence in you and they want the best for you. That's really what it is. It's kind of one of those things. Like, if you're not getting yelled at, if you're not getting talked to, like maybe that's a bad maybe thing. Maybe you should be concerned. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, we talked to Ben Johnson on Thursday, and he said, "Look, when we saw Sam, when we watched the tape, we knew the route running, the the the, the catching, you know, the, the that kind of stuff, the separation one on one, that was there." And he said, "One of the things where I think at least Sam is way ahead of the curve is the stuff in the run game. How much did Iowa prepare you for that, and how much pride do you take in that part of playing the tight end position, not just going out there and catching nine passes for 100 yards, but being, you know, really good in that regard, so that your run game can be top." five in the NFL, which it is. Right. Uh, I think it starts with the mindset, the, the willingness, and you want to be able to do those things. Um, that's how you contribute. That's how you add value. That's how you stay on the field. You play 70 snaps, and, you know, you don't want to come off the field. Mm-hmm. So contributing in as many ways as possible, the run game, or whether it's making, you know, nine, ten catches, um, you know, it really doesn't matter to me. You want to see W's in the win column. And, uh yeah, so I guess Iowa certainly prepared me for all of that, just the willingness and the mindset and coming to the NFL and establishing you know, myself in the run game. How quickly did you and Jared seem to be on the same page? Because we talked to him this week too, and he said, I've got complete trust in 87. Like he is like my guy. And for a veteran quarterback like that, who's been with a lot of, of you know guys through his career, to say that about a rookie, I think says a lot about what you guys have kind of built there all dating mm-hmm. all the way back to OJ's. When did you start to feel like, man, I, th- I think we're on this, we're on the same page here. We kind of speak the same language and it, it certainly has related to the regular season. I'd say the beginning of camp, you know, during OTAs, I was, I was scrambling a little bit, trying to learn the offense. Um, certainly complex and uh, Ben keeps us on our toes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, during camp, once I started to get settled in a little bit, you know, started, relaying information to Jared. What are you looking for? Communicate with me. You know, what, what do you want from me on this type of route um, or in this type of coverage? So the way he's communicated that to me, it's been really simple. He breaks it down exactly what he's looking for. And, you know, it's easy to, I don't want to say it's easy. It's much easier to go out there and execute your job when you know the quarterback is looking for this in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, it just helps him and it helps you as well. He seems like he's got a real great grasp of this offense. He does. He certainly does. And it makes it easier for everybody else. Just the checks at the line, getting you guys into the right play. I mean, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. It's got to be nice on your end, playing with a guy that is so in command of an offense. For sure. He's our field general. He gets us in the right situations. Um, you know, I, I always know he's going to go out there and do his job. Some things may come up where – um, maybe it's not the best look, and you can always you can always rely on Jared to you know get us in the best situation possible. This week, looking to get the tenth win of the season. Just talk about Chicago a little bit. A quick turnaround. You guys just saw them a couple weeks ago, but just the the problems they present on defense and the challenge for you guys this week in their place. Yeah, they certainly have a stout run defense. We felt like we could have ran the ball maybe a little bit better last time we played them. So, you know, hopefully we run the ball better. Um, you know, the conditions may be a little bit sloppy, so. There's wind or weather, you know, running the ball is definitely going to have to be the thing that we rely on most. 
I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Mike Dicka, <laughs> um, sitting there a little bit over a thousand yards. There have only been two tight ends in the history of the league um, to have a thousand receiving yards in in a, in a you know rookie season. Think that's attainable to you? Is that is that a goal? Would you like to maybe break that record, or are you just talking about wins and losses <laughs> right now? <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly cool to be brought up in that conversation where you you could go out there and break a record like that or you know be up there with those type of names like Mike Ditka and I'm not sure who Kyle Pitts Kyle is the Pitts. Other one, yeah. yeah great player so it's cool it's attainable it's not exactly like a benchmark that I'm shooting for but uh, if it happens it happens well, it's been fun to watch you. It was certainly fun to watch you. You played a big part in that win um, last week with nine catches, 140 yards. You are trending um, to be, you know, I think one of the, the really good young tight ends in this league, one of the better ones in the league. It's going to be fun to watch you finish out the season. Hopefully you guys uh, come away with a win in Chicago. You get to 10 wins and then it's on to the playoffs. I appreciate you taking Hope the so. time. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you.